Welcome to the Talking Book Atlanta podcast. I'm Perry Patterson, and tonight we are live at Poe and Company Bookstore in downtown Crabapple in Milton, Georgia. And I am here with the owner, Kate Singh. And Kate, welcome to the podcast, and thank you for having us live tonight in the store on December 1st, as we are all getting ready for Christmas and Christmas shopping and everything. And thank you for having me here tonight. It's a pleasure to be here. But yeah, thank you. And I just want to ask, you know, tell us a little bit about yourself. Tell us a little bit about how you got started with, you know, the the idea of opening an independent bookstore and, you know, what's a little bit about your, just tell us a little bit about your background. Sure. Well, since I was very young, I've always wanted to write and I've always considered myself a writer. It doesn't mean I was a good writer, but um, when I was little, I would drag my older brother around the neighborhood and interview our neighbors and put together a crazy little newsletter that then I would sell back to them and we would deliver them around the neighborhood and people were nice enough to purchase that little subscription that lasted for two issues. Um, but it was a lot of fun. And um, I've always enjoyed writing poetry. Right now I have written two children's books, um, which are here in the store. And um, outside of that, I've always loved, loved, loved to read and loved books. And so after I graduated from college, a dream of mine was to open up a bookstore, but it was not a reality at the time. And um, my background is communications. And then I went on to get an MBA in healthcare administration. Um, initially, I worked for in marketing for an ophthalmology practice and also um, an engineering software company. And then I took a lot of time off to raise my kids. And now I've kind of gone full circle and gone back to my dream of opening up a bookstore. And last August, that's what happened. So it's been open for about a year and a half. Mm -hmm. And how, tell us a little bit about some of the challenges with running an independent bookstore and some of the things that you hope for for the future of the bookstore. Sure. Um, well, I think there's a lot of... Um, good things, first of all, that happened. Now, I don't know if we want to consider COVID a good thing, but I think what came out of that is that people wanted community. And it became very obvious that a bookstore that um, is part of a community and brings people in for lots of different reasons um, was, was needed and wanted. And so that was really very refreshing. And I continue to hear about new independent and so one of my goals was to have it be a community meeting place where everyone feels welcomed. And mm -hmm. we've been able to, you know, we have two different knitting groups that meet here. We have multiple mm -hmm. neighborhood book clubs. We have a Bible study. We just have a lot of people who come here for community and it's just wonderful. That's nice. Yeah. Great. I, th I think some of the challenges maybe are um, the technology that some people don't appreciate as much a book in hand. Um, but that's not completely out of the question. I think there's a lot of people who listen to audiobooks but also want a book or want to have books on their bookshelf. Um, obviously, as an independent bookstore, you have some resource challenges. So, you know, that can be an issue. But I think we've done really well, and I've been lucky to have a really great staff that helps, and each has their own uh, unique niche that has really made it successful. Right. Yeah. I'm one of those people that I like to listen to audiobooks while I'm driving around, mm -hmm. but I want a book, fictional book to read because I want to be able to just sit back and enjoy that, you know, fictional story 
you know, and I, and I think that's, and you can only get that, I think, from just kind of sitting quietly and just enjoying reading and either on your Kindle or, you know, with a physical book both ways. But so um, what do you have in the future, you know, plans for the store specifically that do you have any goals or future plans? And tell us a little bit about your children's books that you've written. Well, my goal for the store is just to continue to bring, well, first of all, to continue to, to reach people. There's a lot of people who still don't know that we're here. So just to mm -hmm. continue to have that awareness that we're here and that we want you to come and have, have your meetings here, bring your groups in. Um, we also want to continue to expand our author signings. We do a mm -hmm. lot of them. Um, and there are a lot of local authors and a lot mm -hmm. of um, authors from Atlanta, but I think I'd like to explore, you know, getting outside of Atlanta too, and just making sure we have, we're representing all levels and um, locations of authors all, all around. So that's one of my goals. Awesome. Um, okay. As far as my books go, but so far I have two children's books. One is called Doodle Noodle, and the second one is called Maisie's Full Heart. It is part of a series. Um, my inspiration for the second book, it's it's an adoption. It's, it's a, basically based on the joyful curiosity of an adopted child, and I was adopted. And so it's kind of discusses, um, you know, a natural curiosity of where we come from and what what we're, what our parents are like, or while at the same time having an appreciation for where we are and the family that we're in. So it's kind of, um, that's, that, that's the conversation that I have in that book. Um, I'm hoping to have one more in that series come out soon, but I've been dabbling in a novel and that's very time consuming, as you know. So um, between the store and that, I kind of haven't quite finished that yet. So what's your novel about? Tell us a little, just a little snippet a about little it. Snippet. Um, it's about a family who, of, um, of uh, immigrant workers who work at a, an apple orchard in Western North Carolina, and there a crime takes place on the orchard, and it's never really been brought to justice because of the situation that the family's in. Um, and so finally, the child that who was a child at the time of the crime that witnessed it is now it's kind of a coming of age, and so he is ready to make something happen and try to help make some changes on the orchard. And so that's what. Okay, so what kind of books do you like prefer to read? Do you have a certain genre that you prefer? Usually I lean towards historical fiction. Okay, okay. Mm -hmm. So nice. Okay. Does anyone have any questions for Kate? Kate, are you from around here? I am from Michigan, but we've lived here for 10 years. to the store, which is nice. Okay, and then, um, so we're here tonight also to celebrate the release of the Tulip Tea 24 Hours in NYC, um, which released on Tuesday officially, and today's Friday. So um, we're celebrating that book, um, which is my sixth novel. Um, and I like to tell people it's a little bit swifty. It's a whole lot girl boss, a little bit romantic, and a little bit funny. Um, it's set between Atlanta and New York City. It's about Holly Curtis, who works for a magazine 
that's very trendy and new uh, that only features women as its subjects. And she really wants a cover story. So she gets the opportunity to go to New York for 24 hours to interview the woman running for governor of New York. While she's at the press dinner, she notices that the guy running PR for the event just so happens to be her high school crush. So you have to question whether or not Holly is going to tell him he was her high school crush, you know, get the, the nerve up to tell him, is he going to recognize her? Is she going to actually be able to write the story her boss is looking for? And is she going to be able to get back home in time to attend her cousin's graduation, college graduation party, and before her cousin goes to London? And then what is going to happen between Holly and a guy at the office who happens to have a big crush on her? So that is just the Tulip Tea 24 Hours at NYC in a nutshell. Um, and it comes right after my historical fiction. And my historical fiction, Leader of Liberty, Tale of America's First Firing, which is based on the Culper's Firing, but it's also based um, on the Benjamin Talmadge. He was the second Continental Dragoon commander. He was also the espionage leader for um, the Patriots. And he had a, a secret conversation, well, not a secret conversation, but a secret correspondence with Washington during the war. He set up the espionage um, team. He set up the spies and these spies took to their graves, their identity in this spy ring. They did not tell anyone. Um, they use code names, they use code numbers. And um, that's why they were so successful in the things that they were able to find out about during the war, which was several things they found out about um knowing that the british knew that the french fleet was approaching off the coast of rhode island they were able to warn washington about that they were able to create some kind of um i kind of call it fake news a little bit because washington would um plant information that was really not really accurate for the British to find kind of like, Oh, we dropped the saddlebag on this farm. Oh, we found it. Oh, there's notes inside. It looks like documents, you know, but it was really false information. So things like that. Um, the story actually spans 15 years into America's fight for freedom. And it is, definitely um a book that is based on real people so i did put bios many bios in the back of the book um i kind of like to tell people enjoy the story first and then relish all of that bonus material in the back of the book once you finish the story and i did add a few pictures of my research um my tours and travels and things like that um the very first book i ever wrote and like i said it, like Kate said in the bio, I was never planning on writing a novel, um, but the Tulip Tea 24 Hours in NYC is dedicated to Judy Bloom. And the reason I dedicated my book, uh, this latest book to Judy Bloom, is because when I was about 10, 11 years old, I read everything 
everything by Judy Bloom over and over and over again. And I think I would be remiss if I did not acknowledge her importance of her books in my life, getting me to the point where I absolutely loved reading at such a young age. And if it hadn't been for her, I certainly wouldn't be reading today, I don't think, or enjoying it. And and I don't think I would be writing books. Mm. So yes, I did ship a copy to her bookstore. She has a bookstore in um, Key West, Florida. I don't know if you're aware of that. She, well, it's actually a, it's a nonprofit. Okay. She's got it through a nonprofit. Um, and she was the founder of the nonprofit. So it's kind of works through a nonprofit, but it is okay. a physical building too. Um, so I don't, I know she's kind of the founder of it, whether or not she really works in the store. Um, she may not, but I think she lives in Key West now. Um, so I did ship a book to her. And if you picked up on the fact that it's a little bit swifty, <laughs> um, it is a little bit. Um, and you know, when you write contemporary romance, you want to try to write to market. You want to write to what is happening and why is Taylor Swift so popular and why is she so influential? Um, and I think you get a little bit of insight into some of that with some of the characters that um, are in the book in a situation that happens um, at the magazine where you get to listen to some of these um, college girls um, that are work. Well, they're not working at the magazine, but they're brought in to do an actual event at the magazine. So, and so that is, the last two, the fifth book and the sixth book. Now, when, you, when I said originally that I was never planning on writing a book because I was a fashion merchandising major and it wasn't on my bucket list because my plans were originally to own my own boutique, I really started really thinking about that. Kind of like, hey, you know, with opening the store, you have to like really, you know, get a plan together. And it was getting that time when I really needed to make that decision it's time you need to pull the plug on this brick and mortar store. But the more I thought about it and the more I thought about what, how that was going to be, I was just kind of like cringing a little bit. And I asked myself, what would you do if you could do anything in the world? And I answered myself with write novels, but then again, I laughed at myself because that is so ridiculous. You know, <laughs> for me, it was like completely ridiculous, but the other, but the thing that happened, and I was very honest with myself when I said that, kind of dug really deep and answered the question, even though I thought it was completely funny. Um, a few days later, I had a really re weird dream. It involved JFK Jr., his wife, his assistant, a secret baby and an assassination attempt. And I woke up from that dream and I wrote every detail of it down. And I said, that's it. A college sophomore is moving into her sorority house with her best friend. She's got to take a famous author's class in that class, she's got to write a paper. That paper that she writes is going to be the dream that I had. But the guy that she trips over on the first day of class has something to do with that paper that she writes. And she also can't get him out of her head. And then I wrote Walking the Crimson Road. Now, I will say, Walking the Crimson Road, I wouldn't say it's my best book. It was my first book. It definitely gets better toward the end. And there might be a few people here that have read it. Um, Lisa, you've read it. And I don't know if Amanda's read it. I don't know if you've read it. Um, and so it gets better toward the end. My second book that I wrote was hit zero, which is a young adult romance. It's young adult sports romance set to the background of competition cheerleading. 
and it is very faith-based. It's about a girl who's 17 and she has done some things in her past she's not really proud of, but she gets a second chance and an opportunity at a small D1 school in small town, Texas. And the story is loosely based on that very, very popular Netflix series, Cheer. And um, so it's loosely based on that. And um, it's set between uh, Louisiana and Texas. And so she has to, once she gets to Texas, she um, gets a second chance opportunity. Um, she also meets the star quarterback. Um, and she finds out that he is from a, his father's a preacher. His mother was a missionary, missionary family, big positive influence on her life. But somebody returns that really dredges up a lot of old feelings and she's got to learn to forgive somebody that's really hurt her deeply. That's my second book. And then I went back to the Crimson series because it wasn't quite finished. I didn't feel the story was finished. So in the book one, you've got Rebecca Brandt, who's Bex, B-E-X, main character, and that's in her POV. So Walking the Crimson Road is in that her POV. But when I wrote My Blood Runs Crimson, I wrote it in three character points of view. So you've got two male and you've got Rebecca Brandt or Bex, as she's known by her friends. So I wrote it into a three character points of view. And I believe it moves that story a lot faster um, because of these different character points of view. And it um, is definitely 18 and up. There is going to be language in it. There is also going to be some sexual content in that book. And um, so I don't want anyone to be like, oh my gosh, what am I reading? But it also has a really, I think within each one of my books, I think there is a good message within woven throughout the story. Um, and I think that when you're talking about things that happen on the University of Alabama campus, the machine and all that kind of stuff, and if you're a big Bama Rush documentary person, I don't know if anybody has <laughs> Bama Rush TikTok or anything, but um, you kind of get a little bit of insight into some of those things that um, are very traditional versus what might need to be changed within, you know, the structure. And then I wrote um, All the Crimson Roses, Flowers Fade, But Legends Never Die. And that is the third installment in the Crimson Series trilogy. Also wrote that one in three character points of view. And Rebecca Brandt is one of those. And the two male characters are Lane Townsend and Sawyer Bennett. So you've got those three <laughs> characters. And I think, in my opinion, All the Crimson Roses, Flower Fade, But Legends Never Die is probably the best one um, in that series. And they are can be read as standalones. And um, but if you like it and you want to read the other two, I mean, definitely um, go back to the other two. But I want to open it up for questions. If anybody has any questions about the historical fiction, um, the Tulip Tea, the brand new one, or the Crimson series, or even the YA um, book, if anybody has any questions whatsoever. Let Okay, so historical fiction is going to be a story that is based on real history, you know, something that happened in history, but you're taking that story and you're adding to it, maybe tweaking it, putting in characters that maybe weren't really there, but they're in that same time frame. So um, this one happens to be set during the American Revolution, so it's in the 18th century. Um, and because I had done so much research prior to writing it, I knew all of the information about Benjamin Talmadge and his life and, and, and what he was doing with aspiring. 
And because of that, I kind of had in my head and, and because when I said they use code numbers and code names, um, I will tell you when I was writing this book or when I before I even thought about writing this book, I was reading a book by Kit Sargent and the book is titled 355 Women in Washington Spy Ring. That's historical fiction and 355 actually is the number of the code number for the word lady. In the 18th century, that word meant something very, very specific. It meant that you had a position, you had a title, you had probably influence, you were maybe wealthy. It had a very specific meaning. And so there is a document that one of the spies wrote um, under his code name and his code name was Abraham Woodhull. And no, excuse me, his real name was Abraham Woodall. His code name was Samuel Culper. Sorry. Um, he wrote that to uh, Benjamin Talmadge um, to give to Washington that says in the note, with the help of a 355, she will surely outwit them all. Now, after 250 years or almost 250 years later, we still do not know who Agent 355 was. There were women spies, obviously. And... Um, but we don't know who she was. So because I know that information, when I write this historical fiction based on all of these facts and history in this time frame, I put a spin on who 55 is in the book. Because I can. Because it's fiction. But I will tell you that this book is very historically accurate. So you're going to learn a lot about Benedict Arnold, things that you did not know about him. And you're going to learn a lot about the American Revolution and the people and the heroes that sacrificed their lives. And it's, an, and it's written in a fun way because you don't want to read boring, dull history book. I mean, it might help you sleep at night for sure, <laughs> but you want to read something that you know, oh, this feels like they're real life you're involved in their in their plight you're involved in like their struggle you know that kind of thing but that's a good question that's a good question so i will so i'll go ahead and tell you what ya means too because you may not know ya stands for young adult but that means your character is going to be between the ages of 13 and 17 or 18. that's young adult okay new adult which these are set because these are set in a college town these are set in the university of alabama campus what this crimson series trilogy your characters in these books are going to be between the ages of 18 and 23. so new adult college age kind of new adult so new adult is kind of a a, a genre that came around got pretty popular probably around 2011 2013 something around there um, and there was a lot of, of people that were writing on a, a platform called Wattpad and they would put up a lot of um, uh, stories that were um, fan fiction, like fan fiction, um, Harry Potter, fan fiction, Harry Styles, whatever. And there's one girl that was writing on Wattpad, a story about Harry Styles and um it ended up becoming a netflix series called after after and then after we collide and then after we fall or something like that her name is anna todd so she blew up on wattpad because she had so many fan followers and then she got a book deal and she had to change the name of her characters because her characters were um i think her character was based on harry styles 
but she had to change it to whatever the character's name in this book. But you can like watch the series on Netflix. It's called After. The first one is After. But her books were like pretty thick like this. Yeah. So um, that's a new adult genre book. That That's kind of how the genre started to grow. Not necessarily. I would say um, My Blood Runs Crimson um, might be more toward a boy, but it's definitely going to be those two. My Blood Runs Crimson and All the Crimson Roses are definitely going to be 18 and up because you're going to have some language. And so I was true to the, I felt like writing college students in their lives, I had to be true to the character and true to, you know, what they were doing in college and in their life. So, but I would say probably um, my blood runs crimson would be maybe a little bit more. Um, I mean, I do definitely write to a little bit more of a female audience, but this one is definitely this historical fiction is anybody this one 13 and up. I had, um, when I was doing a book signing a few weeks ago in Macon, I had a, there was a guy, um, he was with his family and he was like 13 and he kept staring at the book and kept staring at the book. Um, and he just finally came over and said, you know, I like to buy it. Can you tell me about it? And I told him, and I talked to his parents and I said, you know, this book is um, probably, I, I just kind of wanted to get his feel for his like reading ability. Um, and he seemed like he was ready for it. So, um, you know, there's nothing really in it that's going to be, you know, offensive to anyone. Um, I, it's, it's, you know, an 18th century story, historically fiction, but it's, it's not, you know, like these two are going to be, you know, some people might be like, oh my gosh, you know, I don't know. It, it just depends. I mean, it's, and everything is subjective, you know, what you like to read, what you like to watch, all that's subjective. But Walking the Crimson Road is innocent. That one is a very innocent book. 13 and up is fine. Tulip Tea, I would say 13 and up is fine. There's nothing, um, there, there's nothing that scandalous in it. Um, it's pretty, and this one, 13 and up, this one's 13 and up. These two are the only two I would say would be 18 and up. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> Interesting. Interesting. Well, yeah, my blood runs crimson might be something that could be possibly interesting. Yeah, I would say that one overall of over all three of them. Yep. What was your motivation for writing hit zero? Um, I was, well, I used to be a cheer uh, mom, like a, you know, my daughter was in competition cheerleading for many years um, and she cheered all through high school. Um, and now she's, you know, working for the UGA football team. <laughs> And she's majoring in sports medicine. But, um, yeah, I um, was watching that Netflix docu-series, and it just hit me. There's a story here. And I sat down and wrote Hit Zero in two months. But when I'm writing, especially when you're writing fiction, you've got to be in this mindset of this character. You know, if you go several days or even a week without being in that character's head or you know, it's hard. You've got to be, and, and a lot of these scenes will play out like a movie in my mind. And so I can manipulate those scenes over and over again. And, you know, and trying to get what I'm seeing in my head onto the page is the most difficult thing because you want, 
to be able to, you know, share that with the reader, you know, either that emotion or that scene or what they're wearing or what it feels like or whatever. Um, and the only person that's here that might have has written read my books, maybe you've read one. I'm not sure. Which one did you read, Melon? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And Lisa, you, uh, which ones have you read? I've read everything but hit zero on your list. Okay. So tell the people that are here listening, like what? I mean, I mean, your honest thoughts. I mean, don't be just because I'm here to be. <laughs> I mean, just I mean, just lay it out there for us. Just to what you think. I mean. About. About what? Um. Well, the Road or the well, which or... one? I mean, which? I mean, you've read all three of them, so. Which... I like my blood. I think my blood runs crimson is the one that I literally had it in my purse. I could not put it down, and at the time I was pet sitting full time, so I would okay. go from house to house to house, and whenever I had a moment to actually sit down, the book was open. I okay. Whether I was standing up or you know. So, okay. And it's got a little bit more of a thriller feel to it, just a little bit. Um, but it's it's definitely one of those that you you hope that the reader is like thinking about things maybe a little bit differently. That, you know, you kind of showing you two sides of the coin. It's one of those books that shows two sides of the coin. You know what I mean? Two different opinions, two sides of the coin. And our podcast time is almost up. So I want to thank you guys and thank you, Kate, for letting me come tonight. I'm going to be signing some books, but we're going to do some more giveaways. So make sure your name is in the bowl before we go. Make sure your name's in the bowl because we're going to do some more giveaways. Thank you guys. I am going to sign off and I will text you, Kate, or email you, Kate, the link to this when it goes up on Spotify. I will definitely... Okay, Kate, I heard there was an exciting event, fun fact, about Poe & Company Bookstore that happened a few weeks ago. Tell us about that. Yes, so back in March, we had a movie filmed in Poe & Company Bookstore, and it just released last night, November 30th, on Lifetime. It's called The Perfect In-Laws, and if you wait towards the end, there's a book signing, and the book signing takes place in our store. Awesome. Yes. So everybody that was in the store at that time were all extras and actors? No. We had actors and actresses come in um, that were already part of the production, and all the extras were part of the production. So I'm not in it, and there aren't any people in our store that were in it, just the store itself. Okay. So, so everybody that was at the book signing were all extras and actors. Correct. And maybe not really a famous official, someone that we would know author, but in the movie or the story, they're an author and that's their character in Correct. the book. It's so, a fictional author. Fictional who's author. doing a signing at the end of the show. That's really cool that you got, um, that they reached out to you about doing the movie it was at so the store. Fun especially since we were brand new, we had only been up and running for six months. So it was great. That's great. Yeah. So hopefully we'll get some publicity and maybe they'll send you some, will they send you like a movie poster and you can say, you know, filmed that in Poe and Company, I filmed here. I don't know, but that would be great if they did. 
Okay, and the name of the movie is on Life. It's on Lifetime. It's on Lifetime, and, and it's, it's called, called The Perfect In Laws. The Perfect In Laws. It's a murder mystery. It's a murder mystery, and it's got a book signing near the end. Awesome. Well, it has been a pleasure. Thank you all so much for um, listening to the Talking Book Atlanta podcast. Please give us a like and a follow. And up next on the podcast in January, you're going to want to um, make sure you stay tuned because Fallon Ballard, who writes romantic comedy, is going to be with us on January the 8th. Good night.